Hey there, creepsters. This is Sharissa, a beautiful creepster, coming at you from Indiana. Prepare to hold on to y'all's butts and boobies, because Carrie and Donna are about to scare your nips and cheeks off with some tales from y'all, the APC family. Y'all are listening to a Paranormal Chicks. Creep it real, and don't get scared, y'all. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 92. And y'all just heard Sharissa with that wonderful intro. She (laughs) sounds more country than we do, like more Southern than we do. Butts and boobies made me giggle. (laughs) And the nips and cheeks. (laughs) I love it. A woman after my own heart and other body parts. Well, if y'all want to introduce an episode just like she did, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one is called Eerie Story. Hello, my name is Nicole, and I have a good one. Back in the early 2000s, I was married with three young girls. My oldest was from a previous relationship, and my two youngest, which were 11 months apart, were from my current. Although my oldest wasn't biologically his, he treated her as she was. The house we lived in was a very old limestone house with a very unique setup. You could walk in the kitchen door and walk up a long flight of stairs, and at the top of the stairs, you could walk out into the backyard. There was a wooden screen door going out to the back where my husband had a garage slash shop that he would tinker in and hang out with his friends. So basically, the lower floor with the kitchen, living room, and the dining room was actually built into the side of a hill, and the upstairs was where our bedrooms were. I know that's confusing, but trust me, I can't explain it any easier. I'd put my children to bed, and they were fast asleep for at least an hour. I was sitting in the living room downstairs watching TV, and my husband was out in his shop with his friends. It was getting late, and he would usually come inside and eat his supper, which would be cold in the microwave. He knew that would wake the girls up if he came in through the upstairs door, even though it was the closest to his shop. He would walk around and come in the kitchen door. Well, this night, the wooden screen door right by the girls' room slammed shut, and I was instantly pissed off thinking it was him. Well, I waited for him to come down the stairs so I could tear him a new asshole, and he never came. About another hour went by, and he walked in the kitchen door. I immediately started bitching at him for slamming the door and then not even coming inside. He insisted it was not him. I just threw up my hands and said, whatever. He warmed up his food in the microwave and sat down to eat when the phone rang. I answered the phone and it was his father. He yelled, asking to speak to my husband in a distressed voice like I had never heard before. I handed the phone to my husband and the expression on his face was awful. I screamed at him wanting to know what was happening He hung up the phone and told me his 19-year-old sister, who was away at college about an hour away, had shot herself in the head and was dead. Naturally, everything was moving very fast. We live in a very rural area and had to wait for someone to come stay with the girls and be there when they got up because we didn't have any idea what was to come for us. 
My mother arrived, and we were off on our way to his grandmother's house, where the rest of the family was gathering. We had a very quiet, hour-long drive, and all I could do was think about what was happening when it dawned on me about the screen door slamming I had heard about two hours earlier. I know that it was her telling my kids goodbye. That's the only explanation. Sorry for the long rambling story, but I had to share. Sincerely yours, Nicole. Oh my gosh. Well, we are so sorry for your loss and your husband's loss. That's tragic. But I agree, that was totally her. And I would have been the same way. I would have been furious at my husband. I've been like just for that hour, that whole hour, just... And then when you got in, tear him up. I don't forget. You? I know. Other people, that whole hour, they'd been like, fine, whatever, fuck it. Nope, mm -mm. that hour I'd been like waiting. It's been a whole hour and I haven't been able to enjoy my show because I've been waiting for you to come inside. That's what I would have done. But I digress. Oh, we know that's what you would have done. (laughs) Also, like when you said you had a limestone house, that kind of struck me because I was like, Ooh, is this going to be really haunted? Because, you know, they say if you have like a lot of limestone around Mm -hmm. that it has more activity. So that could be something why like she was able to come say goodbye to you and your girls and like tried to say goodbye to her brother. But of course he didn't hear her or, you know, like whatever, Mm -hmm. because your house was limestone. Well, I hope that that was her and I hope that she got to say goodbye. Okay. The next one is road trips can be scary. Hey, you spooky cuties. It's your favorite village witch coming at you with another story. Both of my parents told me this story, and I just called both of them to be sure about the details. This isn't their story, but one of their very good friends. Leroy was and is an avid motorcyclist, and he would ride up to the mountains all the time. I can't remember if it was up to just Sonora or if it was near Lake Tahoe, but one night he was coming home and he saw a naked lady wandering around on the side of the road. He turns his bike around to go and see if she needs help, and she just stands there, staring and pointing. He looks where she's gesturing, and he sees a car that's going off the road, and the accident must have just happened. He gets down there, and he sees a little boy, still alive and clinging to his mother's body. He calls 911 and leaves once they get his info. A week passed, and he sees a picture of the accident in the newspaper and sees the mother and the little boy. He's shocked. The mother is a naked woman he saw on the side of the road. The little boy grew up with his grandparents, but I know nothing else about that story. I do know that Leroy is not the kind of person to tell tall tales aside from his fish sizes and his barbecue dry rub recipe. (laughs) (laughs) It's deaf one of those more unsettling stories and flat out creepy, but it stuck with me since it happened. I hope y'all are doing well and not melting with this god-awful heat and staying safe and healthy. Maybe try a dream incense or spray. I'll send you a recipe. Creep it real, you beautiful scream queens, Michael. Oh, Michael, I freaking love you. I do too. Oh my gosh. And that is creepy. That's so creepy. And it's like heartwarming at the same time that... I mean, this is what I take away from it is that she, like, beyond the grave, helped her son. Yeah. You know, so it's like that mother's love transcended time. I don't know why she was naked, but. Which is why she just was, like, pointing. Yeah. With no sound. Yeah. Like, whoo. Can you imagine? 
Like, being like, oh, yeah, this is that accident. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -mm. That's seriously like a Twilight Zone kind of thing where, you know, it's at the end and you're like, wait, she was dead. Like, that's blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. She's been dead the whole time. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Creepsters. I'm a hospice nurse. The one that's kind of disappointed that there's not more spooky stuff that happens in my office since we're the site of our original inpatient unit where myriad patients have passed away, most peacefully, because that's what we do. But some folks die hard no matter what you do. Surprisingly, I don't have that many great stories from what I do now, but I do have some. Once, when I was still a floor nurse in the hospital, I went in to start postmortem care on a patient. Side note, they tell you when you learn what to do that you're going to talk to your patient during postmortem care. I rolled my eyes and said, sure. Fast forward, um, yeah, they're right. I totally talk to my dead folks. I have sat with them as they're going to reassure them it's okay, they're safe. I've kept watch with them till the funeral home comes. I talk to them while preparing them to be seen by family. You just do. Anyway, I went in to start postmortem care on this sweet lady I'd cared for all week. Normally, two of us go in to do care because dead weight is really hard to maneuver and, hi, spoopy times. I'm in there alone and I start to move the bedside table around, getting things ready for the final bath and all that stuff, and I hear (sighs) kind of noise. Now, I know all about the fact that bodies can make some weird noises after their moving parts quit, but usually those happen when you're maneuvering them. I was clear across the room and about to jump out of my danceco's. I thought, holy shit, that woman just breathed. Followed rapidly by, fuck, she did. I pronounced her and my dead folk stay dead, damn it. I had just about had myself convinced I totally didn't hear what I just heard when I heard that damn noise again. (sighs) It's totally coming from the bed. I'm about to pee a little. I'm in a closed room with a dead lady who's not freaking dead. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I hear it again. I can pinpoint that it is absolutely coming from the bed and I'm totally not sure what the fuck I'm going to do about this because I'm absolutely definitely hearing this woman breathing or fixing to come after me or something. One more time. (sighs) This time, I catch sight of the TV screen in the room as I'm about to tear ass out of there. There's a damn hot-ass air balloon on the screen, and the remote control, which has a speaker for the TV built in, is in the bed with my lady. That's right. I'm hearing flames of hot air balloon from one of those stupid freaking quiet landscape channels that everyone puts on when a patient's not able to change the channel on their own. I nearly had to change my damn pants because of a hot air balloon. At least she wasn't coming back on me. I don't know what the ICD-10 code for becoming undead is, and I wasn't about to do all that damn paperwork twice. Anyway, creep up the awesome stories. Love to y'all, Alyssa. Holy shit. I love that story so much. I don't know what the ICD-10 code for that is. Is the best. Is the best part. 
That and the Dan Scott. Yes, she almost came out of her Dan Scott. I was like, Carrie knows all about this. Like, this was meant for Carrie to read because I would have one sound effects, two all the <laughs> all the things. I'd be like the the the. <laughs> oh my god, this story was great. I just want to feel and like see what your body like reacted to when it's like, oh, it's that you know like. God, I love those moments when you're so scared and then it's like, oh, it's that. Because you're relieved, but also like mad at yourself for mm-hmm. like falling for that. And it's, I don't know, it's so weird. Meanwhile, that poor woman just laid in bed. Like, can you imagine if like her spirit really was there and she's seeing this and she's like, <laughs> It ain't me. I'm yes. not doing it. Yes. Like, I haven't learned that yet, honey. Like, <laughs> well, I haven't made it that far in the movie Ghost. <laughs> He's not on the train yet learning. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm. Speaking of those channels, though, there is... I got to find the name of this movie, but there is this movie. It's actually a French. I think it's French. This is a very good story that I'm about to tell you. I know all the details. <laughs> I think it's French. Anyway, the point is, is this guy who is like driving down the road and has this massive stroke. And it's like the story from his perspective where he like loses all function of speech and everything. And it's his story of like kind of waking up and like you'll like the cameras are basically like, his eyes. And so like, you see people like walking in this hospital room and like talking to him. And he's like, God, my face is itching. Of course it's in French, but he's like, yeah, shit, my face is itching. And he's like, you know, they'll put on a TV channel. He's like, no, don't put it back on that stupid channel, but he can't talk. So he can't tell him. And he's like, you know, they're like, are you comfortable? You know, whatever, you know, just stupid stuff. And then like, it's him learning how to speak and all of that. But he speaks like through speech therapy, like one letter at a time, like using his eyes to track with yeah. like a like an assistive device. That's wild. But it's a really good movie, and it really does like that kind of thing. Like it, it just reminded me of it. It's that how she said it's that that channel that you put on when patients can't change the channel or tell you what they want it on. Yeah. Wow. All right. The next one is possible house intruder sinister sightings. Hey there, cool cats. Hope my favorite podcasters are doing great. This is my first time sending in an email, so this might not make a ton of sense because English is my second language and I half-ass it all the time. (laughs) So I apologize. But anyway, here's my low-key terrifying house intruder story. Picture this. It's 11 p.m. one Saturday night and I decided to go to bed since I'm a 20-year-old grandma and cannot stay up any later. It's me and my roommate slash best friend at home together. She walks off to her bedroom and me to mine. The house is dark as hell. All the blinds are down and you literally can't see your hands in front of your face. My BFF likes to have her scent warmer turned on overnight. So that's the only light I can see in my room. Her room is adjacent to my own. So I'm able to see a little light emanating from underneath the door. And it's not all that bright. I walk into my room, lock my door like every other night. Here's the real start of the story. I had just taken off my clothes because who sleeps with clothes on besides Carrie and climbed into bed? Amen, girl. (laughs) 
lay there trying to sleep for a solid 30 minutes when all of a sudden I hear a loud thud, which scares me awake. So now I'm sitting up in bed and look towards my door where I see a light glowing from underneath my door. I hear shuffling, papers moving, and what sounds like whispering. By this point, I am freaking the freak out. I'm wrestling with options in my mind of whether or not I cower in my bed or I walk out butt-ass naked with my BB gun in hand and fight. (laughs) 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 Finally, I came up with a plan. I was going to grab my BB gun and one of the many cups I had by my bed and pretend I needed water, which is what I was going to tell the intruders so they wouldn't kill me. Where are you going to have the BB gun up in your butt cheeks? I mean, how small is your BB gun? Right? (laughs) The plan is now in motion. Quietly, I get out of bed, unlock and open my door, turn right and walk down the hall into the kitchen slash living room area, cup and BB gun in hand with my eyeballs glued shut. I'm shaking, and now I'm standing in the entrance of the adjoining rooms. Open my eyes, and what do I see? Nothing. Complete and utter darkness. Confused as hell, I turn on all the lights and glance around the room. I feel like you probably should have had your eyes open the whole time. Right? (laughs) You walk into them. Oh, I was just, I walk with my eyes closed to get water. I mean, isn't that what everyone does? And sleep nude? (laughs) Oh, and here's a baby gun <laughs> in my bum. I don't know why. That's where she keeps it. Like. <laughs> no, I, like picture also powers like the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I walk around the table, the couch, everything, and see nothing. I walk up towards our door, and it's shut and locked. Like, what the fuck? Either my place is haunted, or I'm going crazy and hearing shit. So I dragged my naked ass back into my room after getting my water because a bitch was for real thirsty after this whole debacle. (laughs) Climb back into bed and go to sleep pissed off because I got out of bed for nothing. Now, just imagine if I walked into the kitchen and it was my bestie standing there looking back at her grown ass, extra large, naked pizza of a best friend standing with a BB gun in hand pretending to get some water. Oh, I would have never heard the end of that one. Just glad that was in my head. I have a couple more sleep paralysis stories for you all, which I'll send in whenever I gather the energy to type up more stories. So don't expect them anytime soon because your girl is lazy as all else and sitting here typing this drains the life out of me. But that's the end of this email. Goodbye from your favorite extra large Canadian pizza, Sarah B. from Alberta, Canada. (laughs) So it was, like, literally nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad it was nothing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really want to know why you walked down the hall with your eyes shut. And why you thought, (laughs) I just needed a cup of water so I could tell them, oh, I was just coming for water. (laughs) Like, they'd be like, oh, cool, you saw us, but you were just coming for water. Yeah. Oh, oh, carry on. Yeah. Oh, she had a purpose. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, Sarah. That was amazing. Like, I could picture that 100. Yes. And also, yeah, who does sleep in clothes besides Carrie? Me. I mean, I know Avi because y'all just said that, but, like, me. 
This one is My Boyfriend's Ghost. Hey ladies, I've recently written in about my own ghost stories from my mom's house and I have a ton more, but every time we get in the car and your sweet voices come over the radio, my boyfriend begs me to write you guys and tell his story. I'm sure I'm going to mess up on a few details and he'll be annoyed, but he'll live. Well, tell him he can write it in if he wants all the details correct. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks for thinking we have sweet voices. <laughs> I, I love that takeaway. Yeah. Like, he can do that, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you think we're sweet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Also, does this mean that you're doing it as a surprise to him? And that is sweet. That is, yeah. When he was younger, he had a grandmother that passed away in her own home. For whatever reason, a few months after she passed, he was going to stay in her home for the night. It was just him and the dog he had at the time. This dog was the happiest dog in the world and was always excited. However, as soon as they pulled up to the house, the dog started acting strange and did not want to get out of the truck. He finally got her out and they went into the house where she ran and hid in a corner under the dinner table. My boyfriend went back to the truck to get his overnight bag, and when he came back, the dog was gone. She had run outside when he went to the truck and wouldn't come back in. He finally gets her back inside, and same thing. She ran and hid under the table. He realizes that something is obviously wrong. He decides to take the dog with him to every room of the house and show her that no one else is there and nothing to be afraid of. When they got to the room that was his grandmother's room, the dog began to growl and bark louder than she ever had and darted to the back door. This wasn't normal behavior from her at all, and it scared the shit out of my weenie boyfriend, and he decides to leave. When he got his bag and made it back to the truck, the dog was waiting not so patiently to get in the truck. He loaded everything up, and when the dog gets in, she is turned around backwards, facing the bed of the truck, frozen. He tries to get her to relax, and she refuses. The entire drive back to his house, she sat just like that, eyes fixed on the bed of the truck. When he finally gets home, it took several days for her to become her regular loving self again. My boyfriend likes to tell this story as the time a ghost followed me home. We've been living together for almost six months now, and weird things have always happened in both of the homes we've lived in. We have a sneaky suspicion that my ghost that follows me and one that follows him made friends and are teamed up to scare us. Ridiculous, I know, but we have to laugh about it so we don't get too scared. I'll write soon about the experiences we've had together. Until then, stay spooky. Okay, that is creepy. That's, yeah. Dogs, no. They sure fucking do. And just thinking about, like, the dog looking back at the bed of the truck the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. The dog said something's fucking there. Oh. Mm -mm. That was sweet of you to send in his story, though. Yes. And I don't think it's silly to think that if you do have a, a spirit following you and one following him, that they would team up. Because there's so many times that there's so many different spirits in, like, hotels or whatever, and... They do, like, work together or opposing. You know what I mean? They're, I don't think it's silly to think that at all. Mm -mm. Okay, this next one is Kinda Haunted House. 
Dear Donna and Carrie, I recently found your podcast thanks to True Crime Obsessed. Love the show, and I've been binging nonstop at work ever since. After listening to a few sinister sightings, I thought I'd share something that happened to my mom when my sisters and I were growing up. To preface the story, my parents built the house that we still live in while my mom was pregnant with me. My dad bought the land from his brother, and after the construction was done, we moved in a month after my first birthday, August 1996. What day, girl? Of course, my parents, being a young couple with three little girls, were excited to have a place to call their own and moved in immediately. I mean, sleeping on inflatable mattresses, keeping the baby milk in cooler with ice immediately. (laughs) My mom says that everything was fine for the first few years. She said that when I was a toddler and my other sisters were only a few years older than me is when she started to notice things in the house. Things in her peripheral vision until one day she saw a small boy in the house watching my sisters and I play. My mom says that, of course, it caught her off guard, but she could tell this was not a human little boy. She said that it didn't scare her and more so because it was a child. My mom said that this would happen on and off for a year or so and every time she would pray silently and let whoever or whatever this little boy was know that we were not there to cause harm. She said that she only ever saw him when we were playing or all of us kids together. She would be washing dishes and turn around and he'd be there just watching us. My mom thinks that whoever this was might have been provoked because of the energy children playing caused? Question mark. I don't know, but she said he never spoke and he never caused any harm. He just always watched us play. And then one day, she never saw him again. However, things did continue to happen in our house. Not scary, but weird. My dad has worked in the lumber business for over 30 years and has a passion for carpentry, and when our house was first built, the basement was unfinished. Our basement was not scary or creepy. It had huge windows that looked out into our backyard and let in enough light to see out at night. Well, my dad says that he used to have the racks hanging in the basement with lumber on them for his projects. And on more than one occasion in the middle of the night, when everyone was asleep, they would wake up to the sound of something crashing in the basement. And of course, when my dad would get up to go investigate, everything was in its place. He said that this would happen several times. Other things happened, like my dad swearing he saw my sister walking in the house when he knew for a fact that he was home alone. But thankfully, nothing harmful has ever happened. The creepiest thing to happen in our house, I think, is that for the last few years, my sister has been having terrible nightmares that then turn to sleep paralysis, and it only ever happens when she sleeps in her room. She's had things like her pictures flying off the wall in positions that are impossible for them to land on more than one occasion. It got so bad my mom saged our entire house and doused it in holy water. My sister went and had a Reiki session done, and the woman told her to just not, quote, open the door to those types of things, and gave her some tips to keep the bad juju out. She also told her that she is someone who is envied by others, and the crazy thing about that is that she isn't the first person to say that to her. Sorry for the lengthy email. Love your show, ladies, and thanks for sharing. I love the accents. Us Coloradans say we don't have accents, because we don't, but... Have you ladies ever watched The Ranch on Netflix with Ashton Kutcher? He does a terrible Southern accent, even though he's supposed to be from Colorado. Facepalm emoji here. 
Sending love, light, and all my good and spooky vibes, Diana from Colorado. And yes, I have watched The Ranch, and I know exactly what you mean. I could not get into The Ranch. I mean, that's like the smallest part of that whole email. God, I loved it. I haven't finished. I I got out of it after Danny the whole, Masterson. yeah, the mm-hmm. whole Me Too thing, and I was like, no, not the whole Me Too thing. No, the whole like fuck you, Danny Masterson. Yeah, thing. him. I got so mad at him. Yes, and like because him and Ashton had such a good like chemistry and stuff, and it's just like. Fuck you for being a fucking a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And, like, and Scientology sweeping it under the rug for how long? Uh-huh. And it's just like, you ruined so many people's lives and you ruined this show. And like, thankfully, the show did. Continued. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, what's going to happen? Because he was like, him and Ashton were like producers of it and yeah. stuff. You know, so it's like, I mean, what are they going to do? Because like... I mean, I don't know the inner workings, but I mean, I feel like that's high up. So, what are they going to do? But, like, I'm glad that they were like, uh, no, you have to go and you're not going to be anything anymore. Bye bye. But it just like wasn't even the same. And I think, too, even if he had been there, it wouldn't have been the same because I would have been like, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate you. You're, you know, like, ugh. So, yeah, I don't mean the whole like me too movement, like, ugh. Like, it's just like, I'm happy for that because you get to see like these people that you enjoyed and you're like, fuck you, dude. Because like, I liked your shit and I, you, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yes. Tyra Banks. (laughs) Okay. Moving on from that piece of shit. Um, back to your great email. So also fuck this entity thingy, whatever, Whatever this thing is that makes your dad get up out of bed to go check on this shit in the basement that's not even <laughs> fucking moved. Of course, that's it. Talk about morning wood. <laughs> that is her dad you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, she does have daddy issues. Uh, I mean, Diana, I see you. I hope that your sister is not still like, oh my God, is she still having them? Is it still... Yeah, has it got any better? Let us know on an update or something. Also, how old is she? Because I'm picturing like 10 and she's probably like 35. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still scary as fuck. Yes. And just a heartbreaking, no matter who, like no matter what age. Okay, the next one is True Crime NOLA edition. Hello, lovelies. First off, I would like to thank you for the wonderful podcast and community you've created. I have recently found you guys and have been binging all the episodes. Recently, there have been so many days where I was in a really dark place, and you guys have been a bright beacon in the dark. Between the banter and the fascinating stories on the show and the loving community on Facebook, I have been able to focus on something other than my inner demons. Y'all have helped me pull out of a pretty deep pit that would have been harder for me to come out of alone. God bless her fucking man. She just, she was so enamored by that. She just flipped her fucking phone all around. (laughs) Okay, now that I have officially made Carrie gag from all the mushy stuff, (laughs) like I can literally hear her all the way in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she did flip her phone, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) On accident, it's because I was cold and I had my arms in my sleeves and I... Wasn't I mean I wasn't trying to <laughs> Teresa Judice flip my table over here. Emotions. Ew. 
Okay, let's get down to the story that nobody would believe if it wasn't true. Buckle up, cupcakes. It's kind of long. Picture it. The year is somewhere around 2009-2010, and I'm living in Louisville at the time while going to college. My friend, let's call her A, and I decide to take a road trip during a school break to visit some friends around Baton Rouge, Louisiana. After spending a couple of days visiting and catching up with our friends, A suggests we go to New Orleans for our last night since I had never been. I quickly agreed, grabbed my crap, and sprinted to the car as fast as my stubby little legs would carry me. I mean, not only am I an extra large pizza, but at 4'11", I am also essentially a people McNugget with not much leg span to speak of. Mm. So you're Donna. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel seen. So I am going to steal that. I'm a people McNugget. I love it. So it may have been a little quicker for me just to stop, drop, and roll my ass to the car. Oh, my God. (laughs) But as they say, hindsight's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) It was such an image. Anyway, we checked into our hotel and headed out to the French Quarter. We started our night with an awesome haunted history tour, which focused on vampire legend and lore of the area. Then we headed to Bourbon Street because, well, if you have never been to NOLA and only have a few hours of one night, isn't there some sort of unwritten law that you have to at least walk Bourbon Street? After all, that is how you earn your basic bitch tourist badge. Try saying that three times fast. I can't even say three times fast. Actually, words are hard, so I wouldn't recommend it. Wait, I got to. Basic bitch tourist badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Oh, do it. You do it. Okay, it's basic, basic bitch, bitch tourist badge. badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Basic bitch tourist badge. Oh, okay, four times. Fucking overachiever. Okay. As the night came to a close, we headed back to the hotel for a few hours of sleep before the long-ass drive back to Kentucky. Our room was on the third floor and was an outer-facing room meaning you did not walk through the hotel to get to it. You had to exit the lobby after checking in and climb the stairs outside to get to our room. We had a nice view of the parking lot. This becomes important later. A couple of hours later, we were rudely awakened by some loud pops. I shoot straight up out of a deep sleep, and about the time I registered the sounds as gunshots, A hollers at me to duck back down to which I quickly oblige. We call the cops and then make our way to the bathroom, which puts us far away from the window as we could get, with a wall between it and us. After a long silence, we hear sirens. Of course, with us being nosy bitches we are, we make our way to the window and peek around the still-closed curtains. We look down into the parking lot and see an SUV backed into the parking space next to my car. The windshield had been shot all to hell. The driver's side door has been thrown open, and the dim early morning light, we saw a blob on the hood of my car. Apparently, the guy who had been in the driver's seat had been shot and managed to make it around to the front of my car, where he then fell onto my car and bled out. After a few moments of silently staring out the window, thinking, what the fuck, A and I look at each other like, did that really just happen? 
It was about this time that my anxiety kicks in. I go take a Xanax and try to compose myself before we head down to talk to the cops and give our statements. We told the cops that we were from Kentucky and we were supposed to be heading back the same day. And being broke college students, we didn't have the extra money for an extended hotel stay or rental car if they impounded my car for evidence. So after going around and around for a bit, the cops collect all the evidence and photos they can from my car and take our numbers and tell us they will call if they need any more information from us. We were told that it was most likely a drug deal gone wrong that had spilled out into the parking lot. After we talked to the cops, we spent the majority of the day in the nearby restaurant waiting for my car to be processed and returned to us. While we waited, we checked in with our families back home. When I called my mom and told her that we were okay, the car was okay-ish, aka still drivable, but someone had just been shot and died on my car, I will never forget her response. After a brief pause to take in what we had just told her and to verify we were indeed all right, she said, well, at least your car was already red. That's my mom for you, always trying to find something positive. Because what else can you really do in a situation like that? What's done is done. You can't change it. Before we left for the 10 to 11 hour drive back to Louisville, we had to find the closest car wash and run my car through it to get the blood and gunk off my car. That would have been an interesting conversation if we had been pulled over. We definitely wouldn't have been very inconspicuous with blood smeared all over my car and window, even if my car was already red. We eventually made it back home safe and sound with quite the story to tell. I had this car for a few more years after this, much to the surprise of my friends who heard the story. A lot of people would say, oh, hell no, I would have traded that bitch in. But when you're a broke college student with no car payment and a perfectly fine car in working order, you don't have that option. Besides, it was always fun to freak people out with a story after they'd already ridden in the car. I hope to return to New Orleans someday and have a legit trip that doesn't include drug deals and dead bodies. Here's to hoping that not all history repeats itself. Thanks for taking the time to read this novel of a story. Much love from Paddock, Kentucky, which is conveniently located halfway between Possum Trot and Monkey's Eyebrow. Yes, those are real places. Keep it real and don't get scared, Kristen. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> okay all i can this is this is so sad that this is my takeaway but the level of drunk that they, they probably were from being out in new orleans like on bourbon street and all of that and going back to the hotel shit-faced and then to be woken from that dead oh. ass sleep and like you know how fast your heart races oh, and your gosh. stomach hurts and the Oh, my God. Oh, How fucking scary. So scary. Also, like, I know it's not the police's job to clean your car and stuff, but, like, that's so crazy. There has to be a service. Like, there has to be, It like, should. Like, it's, it's not your fault that the guy, like, you called the cops and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? You helped the situation. Like, you are a third-party person with no particular interest in the matter. Also, where the fuck were y'all staying? 
Yeah, yeah, tell us that too. (laughs) This last one is, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. I almost said earlier, Annie, are you okay? What? Yeah, whenever uh, she was talking about having being naked with her... um, BB gun? BB gun almost said, Annie Oakley, are you okay? Oh my gosh! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Whoa. Now I wish I would have, because then it would be like, holy shit. Yeah. Hi ladies, long time lurker, first time writer. I've been meaning to send in my sinister sightings, but well, I'm lazy. Writing in now, like after two years of listening, I feel like it's time. I've had several paranormal instances happen over my life, but I figured for my first send-off, I'd send in a story on one of my earliest brushes with true crime. I'm wordy as fuck, so buckle in. Just remember, this story is 100% real. The only things changed will be names, because my brother is still embarrassed by my actions. (laughs) Picture it. It's the summer of 2002, and I'm 11 and three quarters years old. I lived in a small coastal city in California with my mom, who was a waitress and worked six days a week, her boyfriend, who was active Air Force at a nearby base, my little brother, Jay, who was 10 at the time, and my mother's boyfriend's son, who was little. My brother and I were frequently left home alone with my mom and her boyfriend working and his son somewhere else. We were allowed to go to a nearby friend's house who lived a block away to hang out if we wanted. Well, one day we were bored as fuck, the weather was sunny and hot, and we were sick of each other and there weren't any cartoons on. We decided to head over to our friend's house to see if they could play. We grabbed some bottles of water, I slipped on my giant ass vans, positioned my flared pant legs to tuck in behind the tongues of my shoes, and out the door we go. My brother starts off across the yard, but I had to turn around and pretend to lock the door. My mother refused to give me an actual key because she said I would lose it, so I had to just pretend constantly. I yell at him to wait for me before crossing the road. I was always very motherly and protective of him even though we were very close in age. He waits and we cross the street together. We walk down the short end of the block, turn down the next street, and walk to our friend's house. They lived about halfway down. We're just walking, talking, not really paying attention to anyone or anything, But as we walk, we notice an old lady grumpily staring at us through her iron security screen door. Weird, but whatever. We get to our friend's house, knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and nothing. Not home. Life pre-cell phones sucked. We kind of linger, hopefully, for a few minutes thinking if we stall, they'll come home as we're leaving and we can still hang out. But no. We give up and turn back toward home. We're walking down the sidewalk, and my brother wants to play catch. He runs in front of me down the sidewalk and is like, Kayla, toss me your water bottle, and I'll toss it back. Okay. Now, my plastic water bottle was already halfway emptied. Perfect for throwing. Another thing that is needed to be known about me is that I cannot throw anything straight to save my life. At this time in my life, however, I fancied myself as having a really great throwing arm. I pull it back and then let it fly. It had a great arc spiraling through the air. I put a little power behind it so my brother reaches his arms into the air and runs backwards. I can still see it all happening in slow motion. As he tries his hardest to jump and catch it, the bottle goes right over him, cap end first, heading straight for a truck's windshield that is parked on the side of the road outside of someone's house. The water bottle hits and my brother and I freeze. 
Jay picks up the plastic bottle from the curb. An old woman, the same one glowering at us from before, comes barging out from behind her iron security screen door, screaming and waving her cordless home phone. I saw that. I saw that. I'm calling the police right now. I'm calling the police. A man from the house the truck is parked in front of comes out running and she starts screaming at him. They hit your truck. They're vandalizing everybody's property. He runs inside and yells behind him. You two don't go anywhere. I'm calling the cops. My brother and I are frozen in fear. How did this happen? Our mom would be so mad at us if we got arrested. My little brother is just looking at me with his face confused and kind of pale. So I make the executive decision. Come on, Jay. Let's hurry home. We start to run down the rest of the block, turn left, down the short end of the block, and cross the street to our house. We pause in the front door so I can pretend to unlock it with my invisible key. I turn to look out of our security door and see the old lady standing across the street on the phone with the police. I tell my brother to go hide in our room. If the cops come, I'll tell them I was by myself so they'll only arrest me. He looks at me like I was deranged, but I'm in flight or fight mode and the popo are not taking my little brother to get arrested. What felt like an eternity, but was probably only 10 or 15 minutes later, a police car pulls up to the curb in front of our house. The old lady is still standing across the street and points at our house and is yelling at the cop, so I close the front door. I was hoping that if I pretended we weren't home, he would just leave us alone. Knock, knock, knock. Ugh, it didn't work. My brother at this point comes into the living room and is like, is that seriously the cop's? I shush him and push him behind the front door and tell him not to say anything. I calmly open the door. I puff out my chest and feel my adrenaline start surging. I feel all the blood rush into my face and hope that he can't see it. He kind of looks at me for a second and says, Hi, I'm blah, blah, blah with the LPD. Are your parents home? I attempt to stare him down and curtly reply, No. He smiles at me and now I recognize that he was trying to put me at ease. But at that time, I thought he was trying to catch me off guard before handcuffing me. I called upon my two weeks of karate classes from a few years earlier and centered my balance. Okay, well, we got a phone call from a woman who lives the next street over about a girl who looks like you and a boy throwing things at people's property and trying to destroy things. Then they ran in here. Do you know anything about that? As terrified as I was of the police, I was also pissed at this old woman who seemed to be making things up. I exploded. We weren't trying to destroy anything. My little brother and I were walking and playing catch with a water bottle. My aim was off a little bit and we accidentally hit a truck. Then that lady came out and started screaming at us. I mentally kicked myself. Damn it, I wasn't supposed to tell him about my brother. The police officer kind of nods and I look behind him to see that old lady still across the street smugly smiling at me. To this day, I've never wanted to hurt an old lady as bad as I did at that moment. Okay, that makes sense. In this kind of heat, even something as small as a water bottle can crack a windshield. Try not to walk by that lady's house anymore. She has a history of calling the police on kids. I'll go over and talk to the person whose truck you hit, okay? As long as there's no damage, I won't come back. Now that all this has happened, don't throw things on the sidewalk, okay? I about cried in relief. I wasn't going to get arrested. I promised the police officer there wouldn't be any damage and we would never do anything like that again, and he started to walk away. 
The old lady standing across the street looked outraged at the fact that my little hooligan ass wasn't being carried away in cuffs. I closed the front door and see my brother visibly annoyed at the fact that I made him hide behind a door from the police. I was so hyped up on adrenaline, I couldn't stay still any longer and started pacing. He just looked at me and was like, why are you so weird? And walked (laughs) to the backyard to go play. I'm super smooth, so my only comeback was, uh, you're welcome for not letting the cops arrest you. The police never came back. I'm pretty sure we never told our mom about what happened that day. We didn't want our privileges taken away. And we never saw that crazy old lady again. I tried to be cool and get some street cred for standing up to the police, but all my friends knew what a dork I am, and no one actually believed that I got the cops called on me. I hope you enjoyed my 12-year-old self's brush with the law, Kayla. Oh my God. <laughs> Why does there always have to be one fucking person that's like automatically assumes the worst? Right. Like it'd be different if there were kids like, I don't know, doing shit all the time in that neighborhood. Yeah. But like there wasn't. No. Well, I mean that we know from this story clearly. Right. I mean, yeah. We have a snippet in time, but I mean, you just saw him walk by and then walk back. Like, Chill out, lady. Yes. Well, and also, that's the perfect example of even if shit was happening in that time, like kids were being crazy and doing, well, kids were being like rambunctious and doing stuff. Like, just because they're kids, you can't be like, they're just like the rest of them. I'm going to call the cops. Like, no, they're literally just walking. You can't call the cops, but just because you're kids and shit's been going on. Yes. And you like screaming at them. I'm calling the cops. Like, of course they're going to run. They're kids. You're scaring them. Yes. I love that. I remember that too. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be arrested. Like at whatever age I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be arrested. Oh my God. Like for the (laughs) smallest thing, you know, I I yelled at my mom. I'm going to be arrested if the police come. Y'all, these stories are so freaking good i cracked up so many times at these. same man y'all y'all are so freaking funny thank y'all so much for sending them in keep them coming a paranormal chicks at gmail.com and remember creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared, scared.